Father, that is our prayer this morning. We pray, come Lord Jesus, because we live in a world that is full of sin and full of suffering and full of sorrow, and we know that your church is not immune to it. And so as we gather as your people this morning, we gather as people who are hurting, we gather as people who are uncertain, we gather as people who are tired. So I pray that you would give us rest this morning as we open your word. Give us the rest we need. Give us the eyes we need to see the beauty of your son and the sufficiency of your word and the sufficiency of your grace. May we rely upon it, lean upon it. And Father, I pray as we open your word that you would speak, that you would speak, and that your spirit would be gracious to us and open our hearts to receive your word and to respond as you would have us respond. So, Father, we pray as we often do that you would give us what we need this morning even if it's not what we want. We pray that you would comfort us. We pray that you would convict us. We pray that you would encourage us. We pray that you would rebuke us. Reveal to us your word this morning and may we rejoice in it. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. If you have a copy of God's word this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to Psalm 93. Psalm 93. Over the past few weeks, we, we have wanted to offer some, some really basic, fundamental foundational, important reminders as, as we're in uh, just a season of transition, just in, in a season of uncertainty. We, we thought there would be nothing better than to ground us, anchor us to the character of God. So again, if, if you have been out or missed some or haven't even really picked up on, on kind of what's, what's been happening, it feels kind of random because we're not in one book going verse by verse right now, but we've wanted to remind you of just a few things. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we preached on, I preached on the love of God, wanted to remind you, no matter what's happening in your life, God loves you. He loves you, and nothing can stop him from loving you, and he will never stop loving you. And then when uh, Pastor Kevin preached, the next week he preached on God's wisdom, and, and it's just, it's, it's a reminder, God knows. He knows every single thing that's happening in your life, all the good, all the bad, and he knows what's best. And he knows what to do. And he always acts accordingly. Um, and then last week, we, we focused on the faithfulness of God, the, the compassion of God, the comfort of God, this simple little reminder that no matter what is happening in your life, God cares. So, so God loves, God knows, God knows what to do, God cares. And, and this week, we're going to focus on Psalm 93 and one, one brief little quick reminder that I know you all know, but it's so important for us to hear regularly. God is in control. God is in control. Psalm 93, in your sermon this morning, is the God who reigns. The God who reigns. Let's read it together. Psalm 93, starting in verse 1, this is God's word. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. 
The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. This is God's word. When you think about the floods, verse 3, the floods have lifted up, the floods have lifted up their voice. I don't know if you have a pencil or pen or something that you can write down in your in your note or in your liturgy guide there are a couple pages there where you can take notes maybe you're you don't have anything to write with you can just think it out but what are those things in your life right now right now that feel like floods swarming you devouring you sweeping over your head What are the floods? What are the floods in your life right now? Because even though we can say clearly from Scripture, and I'm going to say in just a few minutes, that God is in control, it doesn't always feel like that. It doesn't always feel like God is in control. You can have have the most robust, reformed understanding of the sovereignty of God. And still, in your heart of hearts, feel like everything is out of control. That everything is chaotic. You know, all of us, whenever, whenever we're faced with different situations in life, we, we're faced with, with a choice. We, we will either interpret God in light of our circumstances, or we will interpret our circumstances in light of God. You know, we will, we will come to the scriptures and we will learn all of these truths about God's character, who he is, all of God's actions, what he does. And then we will experience something that comes in conflict with that. Or we feel comes in conflict with that. God is nothing but good to me and bad things are happening to me. What do we do? There's a contradiction. Our experiences often contradict what we know to be true about God. So when that happens, when you find yourself in that moment, maybe, maybe you're, that's, this is you. Maybe this is where you are. You have a choice. You're either going to shift your interpretation of God, shift your understanding of God based on your current circumstances, or you're gonna go to the rock of God's character, the rock of God's word, and see this interpretation of him there and then look at your circumstances and try to understand them according to who you know God to be. There are two options there. So what I want to encourage us to do this morning by looking at Psalm 93 is to seek to understand your circumstances in light of the character of God. Seek to understand your circumstances and your situations, whatever's happening in your life, in light of who God is. The way that you're currently understanding your circumstances needs to shift if 
it is causing you to reinterpret who God is. We need to reinterpret our circumstances, not reinterpret God. So seek to understand your circumstances in light of the character of God rather than seeking to understand God in light of your circumstances. What I love about Psalm 93 is there are three basic truths here. There are three observations that I made in this, in this text and three observations I want to share with you. The first is that God reigns. So if you're a note taker, we have three points we're going to make this morning. First, God reigns. We see that in verse one. We see that in verse two. The second truth, the second observation we're going to make is that even though God reigns, life is overwhelming. Second truth, even though God reigns, life is overwhelming. We see that in verse three and a little bit in verse four. And then third and final observation But even though life is overwhelming, the God who reigns can be trusted. Even though life is overwhelming, the God who reigns can be trusted. So we're going to see this objective truth about the fact that God is the king, God reigns. And then we're going to see, but that sometimes comes into conflict with our personal experiences. Yes, God reigns, but life is completely overwhelming. And then finally, we're going to see why it's very important that the God who reigns can be trusted because if he can't the fact that God reigns is not good news to you and I all right let's look at it Psalm 93 the God who reigns so first observation God reigns this this beautiful poetic praise of the Lord in verse one the Lord reigns the Lord reigns He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. Now, what are the images that come to mind? What what is the psalmist trying to help you see? He's trying to help you see a king. A king. The Lord reigns. He reigns with full authority and majesty. He is robed even in majesty itself. He is in control. He is the king. What does it mean for the Lord to reign? At least four things. It means at least four things for the Lord to reign here. First, God reigns as the eternal sovereign king. The Lord reigns means that the Lord is in charge. He's in charge. It means that the Lord is in control. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. He's this eternal, sovereign king who is in full control of the universe because he is in charge of the universe. He is the king of everything everything and everyone. And his reign, we, I think we know, we think about this often, his reign will never end. His reign will never end. He is the eternal king in that direction. But have you ever considered the fact that he is also the eternal king in that direction? That the Lord's reign never began 
the Lord's reign never began. He is the eternal king. He is the eternal sovereign. He is the eternal one with full authority. It is by his very nature. No one granted him. No one, he didn't have a coronation service. His coronation service is in eternity, okay? He didn't have to have anyone see him and see him as worthy of being the king. No one anointed him as the king in this way. No, the Lord is eternal, which means that he is eternally sovereign. He is the eternal king. He is in charge. He is in control. So when he creates his universe, when he creates people, when he creates animals and he creates the world, it is flowing out of his divine right to rule. So God reigns as the eternal sovereign king, but God also reigns as the creator. And, and this makes sense. I shared this in this past Wednesday night, how much this makes sense even to people who are, who are kind of new to Christianity, um, sharing the gospel with, with a guy I've been, been talking for months now. And one of the things that, that he just assumes, he, he kind, of, in, kind of, it's a great starting point for us, is he assumes that there is a, a God who created everything. He believes in a creator. Um, and so it's, it's a great starting point, you know, because we, we can agree on that. And anytime you can find points of agreement, it's, it's really important. Even if there are tons of points of disagreement, it's not, it's not always best to, like, go all in on the arguments. It's like if you can find any points of agreement, like, hammer in, like, just in your evangelism, hammer in on those points of agreement. Because you can help them see how it's not such a, if you, can, if you can believe in a God who created everything, it's not that much of a stretch to believe in many of the other truths in scriptures. So I love that we're able to have that, that, uh, that point of agreement. But what he says, it says it makes total sense that God is the king of everything because if he's the creator, everything belongs to him. It's his. You know, it's, it's not only people who are evangelizing, it's also kids in like preschool. Like it's really easy for them to see. Like you can do a really quick illustration with them. If you give them Play-Doh and you tell them it's theirs and they, they can make whatever they want with it, they know that that Play-Doh belongs to them. You don't have to tell them that. Like they know, they know that the Play-Doh belongs to them. It's their Play-Doh. So since it's their Play-Doh, they can create whatever they want because they are in charge of this little blob of, of Play-Doh. They are in charge. The Lord is in charge, he is in control, and as the creator, he creates and he orders and he plans and he purposes all things. And what you and I tend to do is we, even in our best intentions, make demands of him. Or we make assumptions. There's no way that he could ever do that. There's no way that he could ever do this. There's no way that he would ever do that. There's no way that he would ever do this. When in reality, what we should say is, he is the creator of all things. He is the sovereign and eternal king of the universe. He can do whatever he wants because it belongs to him. It's his. He creates, he orders, he plans, and he purposes all Things. God reigns as the creator, but God also reigns as the sustainer. God reigns as the sustainer. So he doesn't just create all things with a purpose and for a purpose. He doesn't just plan. He doesn't just order. But in his providence, God provides for all of his purposes. In other words, all of God's plans succeed. All of them. 
Some of them are, are easy for us to see and understand. We, we look in the scriptures and we see that the Lord planned for the salvation of his people through the death of his son. And then we see the events unfold in the gospels. We, we, see, we see the Lord's providentially bringing his son's death to pass. The Lord provides for all of his purposes. He's not like you and I where we make plans and then something goes awry and our plans, you know, we have to change our plans. The Lord never has to change his plans. His plans are always pure. His plans are always good. His plans are righteous and his plans always come to pass. He sustains all things in the universe that he created. He makes provisions for all of his plans. He provides for what he orders. So what does it mean for the Lord to reign? He reigns as this eternal sovereign king where he has the authority, where he's in charge, he's in control over all of it. It's natural because it flows out of the fact that God reigns as the creator of all things. God also reigns as the sustainer, he provides, and then finally, God reigns as the savior. He reigns as the Savior. And, you know, it's, it's a point of, of disagreement and debate in theological circles. But there's, there's a basic point I think we can all make. If we have a, a, a God who is sovereign, if we have a God who is the king, we have a God who is the creator, a God who is in charge, a God who is in control, and he creates people for the purpose of living in relationship with him, of dwelling with him. And the people... That no fault to God himself, the people turn on their creator. They rebel against the king. They rebel against the sovereign. And they go their own way. They try to assert their own measure of sovereignty. The only way for that people, you and I, the only way for us to be restored is for the Lord to reconcile. The Lord has to do the work, okay? But when you rebel against the king, it's in the king, it's the king's prerogative what he's going to do with you. It's, it, it's up to God, right? That's another thing that makes abundant sense to my non-believing friend. Like, like I've told a few of you, the grace of God makes no sense to him. Universalism, like this thought that he would like save everybody makes, I mean, like he's just, how could anyone believe that? I, I, he, he's more of the mindset that God saves no one because he is so great. How could he, why, why, would he, why would he give any attention to us? Why would he save any of us from this predicament? We are the ones who have gone astray. Why would he save any of us? So I think we can all agree that if it's going to happen, if you and I, if rebellious people are gonna be brought back into the fold, if we're going to be brought back into the family, if we we're going to be redeemed of our sin, God has to decide to do it. He has to decide to do it. You know what that means? He is sovereign over salvation, even salvation itself. Salvation belongs to his will. His will, it has to come from his will. No one can coerce him into saving sinners. He has to choose to do it freely. I hope that you marvel at that when you consider the gospel. That not only did God choose by his will to save you, 
but he did so at a great cost to himself. So salvation belongs to his will, and salvation also belongs to his wisdom. As we see throughout Scripture, the Lord saves. The Lord saves whom he chooses to save. That's not a statement about us. That's a statement about him. He is the sovereign king of the universe. And if he had chosen not to save a single one of us, he would be in the right. He would be in the right. It's his prerogative. We can't, we can't praise God for his sovereignty in creation and in his provision for us and then reject his sovereignty over our salvation. Now, what can we do? We can debate the extent to which that sovereignty, you know, extends. We can debate what level our will relates to God's sovereignty in this. We can, we can debate all of that. What we cannot debate is that it is God's prerogative to save. It is up to him. So the Lord, he reigns. He reigns supreme. So how should, how should we respond? How should we respond to the Lord who reigns? First, since his, he's this sovereign king who has full authority, we should respond to him with humility and obedience. We should respond to him with humility and obedience. It's his way. Are, are you seeking his way? Are you seeking his will and not your own? And whenever his will and his way come into tension with your own, do you immediately cast yours aside to submit to him because he is the one with the rights? You and I have no rights when it comes to dictating how we live our lives. He is the sovereign king, the eternal king. So with humility and obedience, how else should we respond? With gratitude and trust gratitude and trust that he has created us we would have no life were it not for him and he also sustains every single breath we take your next breath is being sustained by the god of the universe so we should approach him with gratitude and also with trust trust that the promises that god has made to his people will come to pass will come to pass even if you're not currently experiencing that and then finally, we should respond to the Lord who reigns with missional resolve. Because I want you to think about it. If God really does reign as Savior, and it's his prerogative to save, and then you consider some of Jesus' final words to his disciples before he ascended, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, go and make disciples. You notice that? how Jesus grounds this missionary call in his very sovereign authority. I'm sovereign. I have all authority. It's not just, it's not just his way of kind of ramping himself up to, to scare the disciples into obeying him, you know, like we sometimes do as parents. It's like, you know, you know why you're alive today, son? You know, it's not, it's not like that. It's not, I have all the authority, so you better obey me. It's a, it's a fact, it's a truth. It's a universal truth. You need to go into all the world evangelizing, spreading the gospel, because I have authority over all of them. I'm in charge. I'm in control, and I'm sending you out. If salvation is God's prerogative, and he has called us, 
to be agents of that saving grace, we have to respond to this sovereign king with nothing but missional resolve. Wherever you work, wherever you live, however the Lord has gifted you, you need to be considering how can I be on mission exactly where I am in obedience to this great and sovereign king, this God who reigns. Okay, so God reigns. Second, even though God reigns, life is overwhelming. And that's one thing I love about the Psalms. I love, about, I love the Psalms because of the, the sheer honesty in them. And I, and I especially love this Psalm because in the first two verses, nothing but praise. This everlasting, eternal, sovereign king of the universe. The Lord reigns. And then in verse three, it's like, but that doesn't always comfort me. Sometimes that's more confusing than anything. The floods, look at verse three. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their voice roaring God's sovereignty this truth that he reigns that he's in control that he's planning all things that he's ordering all things some days that's very comforting to know that God's in control some days it's very confusing God's sovereignty can often be as confusing as it is comforting because we ask this natural question. If God really is in control, why does life seem so chaotic? So God, who is good and powerful and who loves me so much and who cares for me so much is allowing this to happen to me? It's confusing. God plans and orders all things he works in and through all things and, and even if you're slow to go that far even if you can only say which is a little, little less biblical a little weak a little weak but it's okay even if you can only say God allows these things to happen to me that's no better because if we believe that God has all authority in heaven and on earth that he is sovereign that he's all powerful and he is all loving. And then the floods, the floods of life come and we are overwhelmed by sorrow and suffering and pain. What do we do? Because we might think, well, maybe God really isn't in control. Maybe, maybe he doesn't have the authority that I, that I think he does. Or maybe God is in control, but he's just evil. He's just evil. Because look at the world. Look at all the suffering. Why does the Talbot house have to exist? You know? Why, 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 why do people get in situations that cause them to need this kind of treatment? If the Lord reigns, why does this happen to me if the Lord reigns? Or maybe just, maybe God doesn't care. Maybe he doesn't care. 
Do you see how easy it is when you're in a season of pain and sorrow and suffering to interpret God in light of your circumstances? Well, I thought, I thought he was in control, but everything's falling out of control. I thought he cared about me. It sure doesn't feel like it. Maybe he doesn't. It's not, it's like you would think, like, oh, no, I would never say that. It's not a big leap. It's not a big leap. So just some encouragement this morning, maybe, maybe a warning. We should not draw conclusions about God on the basis of our experience. Okay? You know why? Here's the only reason I can say that to you with any confidence. Because we believe that God has revealed himself in his word. That he has spoken and he has said, this is who I am. And if we take it at face value, sure, are some passages hard to interpret? Absolutely. But Psalm 93 isn't. It's clear as day. Do you believe that the Lord reigns? Do you believe that the Lord reigns? Then be content to sit in a season of confusion. Be content to wrestle with God who is in control of your life. It doesn't feel like you're in control. It doesn't feel like you're in control, but don't allow that feeling to dictate your theology of God because it's so easy to do. Here's what we should do. So we shouldn't draw conclusions about God on the basis of our experience, but we should always, always call on God from the depths of our pain and confusion, when the floods come, when life overwhelms us, we should call on God. Why? Precisely because he is in control. Precisely because he does reign. And you and I, as hard as this is to accept, are often going to have to accept the way that Job did. Sometimes we don't get an answer. We don't get an answer. God, you're in control. Why would you allow this to happen? And we can bank on these general promises that, well, it must be for my good, but I mean, that doesn't help all the time. You're still in pain. And sometimes you end up like Job and you do not receive an answer. But here's a prayer I would encourage you to pray. Turn with me to Lamentations 5. Lamentations follows Isaiah and Jeremiah. Lamentations is a series of five poems of lament. The people of Israel have sinned and and they have rejected God's authority and and they are in exile. And this is how Lamentations closes. Lamentations 5, 19 through 22. This, This is what we pray. This is what we pray when the floods overwhelm us, when we are confused. God, if you were in control, why is life so chaotic? Verse 19, Lamentations 5, verse 19. 
But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? So you have this great truth in verse 19, praising the Lord for who he is. Verse 20, this sheer, deep level honesty with how I'm currently feeling. And then verse 21, this plea. Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. Verse 21, restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. So when the floods come, turn to the sovereign king who reigns supreme over your life and over the floods and call on him in the depths of your pain to restore you to himself. So God reigns, but even though God reigns, life is overwhelming. And then third observation we can make from this passage and final one. Even though life is overwhelming, the God who reigns can be trusted. And this does change everything. Look at verse four and verse five of Psalm 93. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. All right, so that's good. That's good. It's good that the Lord is stronger than the floods. It's good that the Lord is stronger than all of your enemies combined. Anything that would bring you pain, the Lord is mighty. But don't you know a lot of mighty and strong and powerful people who you would not ask to help you with anything because they are not good? Our world is full of people in authority and people with power and people who are strong who wield their authority for evil and not for good. So the simple truth alone, the Lord reigns, is not automatically good news. It's not automatically good news. Then we read verse five. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. These two truths about the king, which makes it such good news that he's the king. First, God is a trustworthy king. So we can trust God even when we don't understand his purposes. We can trust God even when we don't understand his plans. We can trust God even when we don't understand why he chooses to carry out his plans the way that he does. We can trust him because he is trustworthy. We can trust God when life overwhelms us because his purposes are good and pure and true and he is faithful to fulfill them in and for his people. So, two important truths there. If you're in a season where you feel overwhelmed by the floods of life, know two things. God has authority over the floods of life. He's in charge. 
He's in control. He's not surprised at what's happening right now in your life, in the life of this church. He is not surprised. He is in control. But here's why that's good news. Because you can trust him. That he knows what he's doing. That he will do what's best in your life. You can trust him. You can go to him. You can cry out to him because he is trustworthy. And then finally, he's not just a trustworthy king. He is a holy king. God is a holy king. And that is such good news as well because that means that not only can we trust his plans, we can trust all of his actions. Every single thing that God does is good. Every single thing that God does is righteous and holy and true and pure. All of his actions, all of his plans, you can fully trust him. The God who reigns and who has full authority over your life can be fully and truly trusted. How do we, how are we able to have this kind of access to this kind of God? A God who is so far above us because he is so sovereign and he is the king and he is the creator and he is the sustainer of every single life. How can we have such access to him that we can say we can trust him? We can run to him and cry to him. Why can we be certain at all that he cares, that he can be trusted? Because God the Father sent his son, sent his son into this world to be consumed and overwhelmed by the floods of death. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. And they consumed God the Son on the cross. So that when you and I, by faith in Jesus, cry out that very cry, the Lord responds to us with salvation and rescue because he has accomplished it fully and finally in his son, Jesus, on the cross. So this morning, I want to encourage you. Seek to understand your circumstances in light of the character of God. Don't seek to understand God in light of your circumstances. The only way we can do that is to be reminded God's in control He reigns. He has all the authority. We also cannot forget that it is good to be honest with the fact that life is overwhelming you. It can be just as confusing as it is comforting. And then finally, we need to remember that when life overwhelms, when the floods come, the God who reigns is a God you can trust to come to in your weakness. For he is mighty to save. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that that you reign. That doesn't always immediately help us because of the floods, oh Lord. They overwhelm us. They sweep over us. And often we're confused at the chaos in our lives because we believe in a God who is in control. So I pray that you would 
Give us the grace we need to come to you in full honesty with our pain and with our sorrow and with our confusion and with our frustrations. May we wrestle well with you because you are mighty. You can handle all of our questions. Forgive us when our questions ultimately lead to lasting doubts. But Father, our cry is so often, we believe, but help our unbelief. And sometimes we are tempted not to believe, to lose faith, when what we know about you and what we experience seem to contradict. So I pray that you would help us. Help us to remember that you reign. You are robed in majesty. You are the king. So may we approach you with humility and obedience. You're not just a king who only has authority. You are a king who has authority, who can be trusted. So help us to trust you. That's what what can be so hard for us, to trust you. when your sovereignty is met with our suffering. But help us, help us to do it by the blood of Christ. Help us to remember that you respond to us when the floods overwhelm because you didn't respond to Jesus when the floods overwhelmed him. Instead, he suffered the full penalty and punishment for our sin. So when we trust in him, We are forgiven and we are justified. And we find new life that has at its end a world where there will be no more floods. So we pray, come Lord Jesus and bring your kingdom to bear fully on this earth. Father, I pray that as we navigate the next few weeks and few months as a church, that you would help us to seek your wisdom, but you would help us to reflect your character and most especially that you would help us rely on your character. That you love us, that you know, that you know what's best and you do what's best, that you care and as we've said today, you are in control. So have your way and may we Do nothing but submit to your way for your sake and for the sake of this city. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.